Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am AJ Hayfley alongside Nathan Rudolph today. We are talking about America today. USA. The dream, the greatness, the winning, the red, white, and blue, (laughs) bald eagles, fireworks, apple pie, apple pie. I'm glad you chipped in because I ran out of stuff (laughs) that worked out nicely. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about a handful of Americans. We did a show. uh, I did one with Luke. Uh, Hawking a little while ago, uh, breaking down the WHL guys and getting into uh, Doc versus Cousins versus Peyton Krebs. Today we're going to do the same thing. One of our listeners requested that we do that with the American, the top American guys, outside of Jack Hughes, of course, because no point in doing that. And... We, uh, yeah, so we're going to do that today. You guys, one of you guys wanted it. I didn't have another, uh, another show planned. Dope. So let's, uh, let's jump right into it. We're going to start today with Alex Turcott. Look, the expectation is that he goes three to Chicago. That's not set in stone. And if he's there available, I fully expect the avalanche to take him. Let's just dive right into this. What are the abs getting with this kid? If they were to take him. They're getting a very easy prospect, aren't they? they he, you're not going to have to do much with this kid. You let him go to college for a year, maybe two if you have to, but he's very well-rounded, super solid type player. You're going to get an NHLer out of him. It, it, there's not much risk at all. Mm-hmm. And and that's nice. You don't have to worry about things like we'll talk about with Zegris, like we've talked about with Doc. He's going to come in and give you that effort, and maybe the ceiling isn't quite there. Maybe he's not really a 1C, but the Avs don't need him to be. So, I think that's a huge factor in this. Uh, two things that you said there. Easy prospect. He's very he's clean. There are no red flags. Yep. Uh Hockey sense, maturity, IQ, approach, day-to-day understanding of what it is to be a pro. It's all there. It's already there for a, for a teenager. 
extremely projectable to to the NHL. I think the reason that we see him a little lower uh, on some lists than where he'll actually get drafted this weekend is because of the upside. Because you are dreaming on uh, some of these other kids, you know, Kirby Doc and uh, Vasily Colson and uh, certainly Trevor Seagrass are guys that you just, you see the outsized skill level and you just drool. Oh my gosh, these guys. And with Turcotte, you don't necessarily get blown away by that. But then you realize, oh, two two points per game he averaged. Yeah. And, and through throughout various parts of the season. Yeah. It, That's no joke. His production was was absolutely there. It when he was healthy in the USHL portion of the season, he was scoring more than Jack Hughes. So it's not and like he's on he a different score. line. Right, he's not playing like, with him. There there was a lot of, well, how much of that is because of Jack Hughes? And it's like, well, he's on a different line. And I guess then the, the follow-up argument is that, well, he's not playing against the other team's top players. Like, oh, okay, so the, 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 the line matching against Muskegon is so <laughs> right. intense. Does it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Right. Like in, in the, the point is in the USHL, it's not going to, to make that much of a difference. It's, yeah. it won't, it won't be the difference between, it's not like if, if Turcotte was playing against Hughes's competition, he would have only averaged one point per game. Right. It, I mean, I guess it's possible, but it would be way unlikely if, that it would have that drastic of an impact. Right. If Turcotte was playing against like their bottom line or something, that's one thing because at the bottom, the USHL does drop off, but he's still playing against the top six and and pretty much every team in the USHL just stacks their top six and plays the crap out of it. So. Right. And I mean, like, you're not kidding. I mean, you're talking lots and lots and lots of minutes here. Yeah. This, This is not even distribution where the fourth line of the USHL was playing 12 minutes. No, they get like six, maybe. Right. It's very much how the abs stack their lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the production with Turcotte, I mean, obviously that jumps out at you. Isn't it? I mean, that's that's yeah, surreal. It's, you know, it, it is still the USNTDP, so take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But it's it's very clear that he is on the same level as his peers, if not better than them. Yeah, and what I think is interesting, he gets dinged for being small. And he's he's really not like short, sure. 5'11 is not, I mean, not a towering human being, but he's 5'11 and almost 190 pounds already. He's very stocky. It's a thick kid. He is it he is not small, but I would agree with the idea that he is small for the way that he plays. Okay, go on. Sell me. So, I I, I compare him to Jost a lot stylistically in this format where we've seen Jost struggle in the NHL with bigger size players where he gets out-muscled off of the puck. And when he tries to be aggressive and go in and fight board battles, he's not strong enough to win them. And I see a little bit of that in Turcotte. I don't think he's anything like Jost because Turcotte's just going to skate circles around people, which Jost can't really do. Right. But I wonder if he's going to have to change his approach a little bit at the next level because he's not going to be able to win those puck battles with muscle easily. 
Um. Okay. All right. I'm I'm still caught up in the the Jost thing because I I I see that a lot, and yeah. I see it as I see it as a negative a lot, and I it drives me crazy. It's right. I don't. I don't even think he'll be that similar of a player to Jost. It's a very specific part of Jost's game that I'm talking about here, yeah. where his ability to hang on to the puck at times gets a little bit iffy. And and Jost is just the comparison because I watch the abs more than anyone else. I'm sure there's plenty of other good comparisons you can use there. Of course. it's how, That's how it always goes. And it's always easier when you have an audience that's abs fans to compare to abs players. Right. It's something that that it's relatable. Understand, yeah. But right, I, it we should definitely stress that it's a very narrow part of his game that we're comparing to Jost here. Yeah, and I and the skating, obviously. Um, I think he's he's a really good skater. Yeah, he, his skating. I don't have any question marks about that. It'll be just fine. I. I don't really have question marks about him. Yeah, I I, I think the there. I think the high end, um, the like the skill, the raw skill level, it's not as high as Zgross. It may not even be as high as Boldy, to be honest. Yeah, but I think that I think that he's aces in terms of you're you're guaranteed to get an NHL player out of him. And I don't think that when we talk about skill level, I don't. I am in no way concerned about him becoming a third line center and being like a thirty-five point guy. Yeah, uh, I don't doesn't, think... that doesn't concern me. Uh, he's his combination of hockey sense, intelligence, uh, compete level, and skating are all just too good for me to believe that. Yeah, what what he lacks in maybe like super high-end playmaking ability uh, will will hold him back. Like, I just don't... I don't see that being something that keeps him from being a very good NHL player. Maybe not a... Maybe not an all-star, but certainly one of the higher-end two-way centers in the NHL. Um, right. You know, the, the offense, like... I... I... A guy like Patrice Bergeron, honestly, where, you know, Bergeron is a great two-way player, but the offense is not, he's not, he's not like a dominant offensive player. Sure. Uh, And, and I think that's like, and, you know, Patrice Bergeron, like on a, on a great line, uh, the last couple of years, but that's still, you know, he's, he's still a guy, you know, the points took a huge leap this year in particular. But like most of his career, like 50, 60 point guy while providing elite defense. And that's where I think uh, Turcotte is, is that's where I see him as like a, a 60 point guy, 65 point guy uh, that, that plays elite two way, two way and locks down, takes on opposing uh, top line matchups and frees up a, a Nathan McKinnon to go crazy. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Uh, I might be a little bit lower on his offensive upside. I think maybe more like 50 to 60, but it's still, a, you throw him in as your 2C that goes up against the top competition and you just set and forget it. And he takes care of business. He gets the job done for you. 
and he has all of the intangibles in the world. He's the when Hughes is out, yeah. he wears the C for that USNTDP team. He's supposedly like the hardest working player in the whole program. So mm-hmm. it's he's the type of guy that you'll get the most out of pretty easily. And while that the ceiling isn't that high, it's not unreasonable to expect him to get there. I and I feel like we're knocking him by saying the ceiling isn't right. that high. We're, like we're saying the ceiling isn't that this high. Is, this is the guy minutes. I think that would be a top five pick in basically every draft class. All yeah, of them. Exactly. It's it doesn't matter which class you pick. Pick twenty fifteen, I think he's a top five prospect in that in that draft class. Because his just the combination of what he does, it's it's so valuable. And having a kid like this that you you believe to your core is going to be an NA, a high end NHL player, no matter what. Like, and, and your big question is, is he a 60 point guy or an 80 point guy? Oh no. Yeah. You know, especially combined with a, you know, a high end uh, defense and uh, all the intangibles that you just mentioned. I mean, this is a slam dunk of a kid, right? It's, it takes out any concern you would have with anyone else. You take him and you're saying, this is solid. We're getting at worst a bottom end two C out of this guy, and at best, but potentially a one C. Yeah, it's and you know we've talked about Colorado in the unique position where they don't need him to be the one C, so you don't worry about right. that. Exactly, you, you, it's not as big of a concern if if he doesn't get to eighty point type player, right? It's, it doesn't hurt them because chances are they're not going to get an 80-point player no matter what they do. Yeah. Whether it's Zegras or Doc, and we've talked about those guys. We're going to talk about Zegras in the next segment about how their high end is really, really, really high. But how often do those guys fully 100% pan out? Exactly. It's You have to gauge the, the risk assessment. You have to gauge the ceiling, but you have to gauge how likely they are to get there. And you're looking at someone like a Zgross and saying, well, if he gets there, he will be better than Alex Turcotte. But Alex Turcotte is going to get 85, 90, whatever number you want to put on it. He's going to get close to his ceiling. And Zgross might, but there's also a good chance he doesn't. Yeah. So you, you can walk up and take a player like Turcotte and feel confident that you can't screw this up. He'll get there. <laughs> Everything, everything about him, about Turcotte, it's it's so much about what he does well all around. You know, great, fearless player, hard worker, doesn't take any shifts off, uh, really, really good at everything that he does. Uh, the hockey sense is truly elite. The vision, all of that thing, all, all, all of that aspect of his game is really, really high-end stuff. It's just like raw skill level doesn't blow you away. Yeah. But but it doesn't have to. You, there it, are plenty of NHLers that produce every night that they never do anything that makes you go wow, but they put the puck right. in the back of the net. Right, and they and they consistently just... I mean, again, like look at a guy like Patrice Bergeron. He's the smartest player in the NHL, and he's built an entire extremely successful career off of that. And I would say Turcotte is more, has more raw skill than a guy like Bergeron. And has the same kind of hockey sense. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it's always tough to compare a guy to 
someone who's won that many accolades. Yeah, who's won but... like four Selkies and, right. and like is on his way to like a Hall of Fame career. And like I right, like I I I don't like to make those kinds of comparisons because like you never you never compare somebody like, oh, he's like Sean Couturier. He could be Sean Couturier too. Similar profile there. Like super high end skill, not quite there, but an an excellent two way center, right? Uh, that does everything for a team. Cr- will crush in the face off circle. Will take all the defensive matchups. If you're if you're more comfortable with that, fine. Sean Couturier, similar similar profile. Yeah, just it's the fact that I have to sit here and nitpick. Like, oh well, he's not small, but maybe his strength isn't there. Things like that show just how deep into his game you have to dig to find flaws and that speaks for itself and that's and i mean that's not that's not like we talk about kaliev we talk about lavois we talk about cole caulfield like there are major red flags everywhere for us to be like boom 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 there's not with alex turcotte like yeah, it, anything that we list as a as a negative or as a as a downside for Turcotte is simply nitpicking. Like we're it's it's just the minor minor things here. And in many draft years, a player like that goes first overall. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. like in Austin Matthews, and you look at that draft second. Who Patrick Line went second, and he's yeah. got red flags all over his game. Yeah, and so, I mean Dubois went third. Yeah. And he wasn't even a, was he a center or was he a wing when he was drafted? So if you have an opportunity to pick someone like this at three or four, if he gets there for the abs, it's so hard to pass that up. Yeah. Very, very clean. Yep. So easily one of those, just a, 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 a a great prospect. He's a great prospect with a great track record. Uh, and has everything that you want moving forward to to be a a star in the NHL to be a very 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 good high end contributor to your team, and the Avalanche would just be the Chicago too. Like he could go to Chicago or Colorado. He's not going to have to be the one C. He doesn't have to be the savior. He doesn't have to carry anything. Yep. He just has to come in and fill the role he's going to be asked to, and go from there. Yeah, it's. It would be such an easy fit for the Avs to just drop them into their lineup and say, do your thing. Why not just do it? One, I mean, one year at Wisconsin, you expect with him? Yeah, I, I think, especially like we talked about, someone with his type of drive is going to try and make that push to the NHL quickly. The Avs would be in a, depending on, especially depending on what they do this summer, uh, they could be in a position where they say, hey, maybe take a second year. Maybe he's... Sure. Maybe he's good, but not great at Wisconsin. And you say, go go a second season and tear it up. Right. The Evs are in a great position to be flexible with that. Yeah. And I have no problem with him going two years if that's what he needs. If he slays and is ready for his first year, then then great. Get him in there. And that's, I mean, that's that's a position Colorado's going to be in with all these kids that we're going to talk about. Right. Where exactly, yeah. But but Turcotte is the one where you're saying there's a really good chance there's it's just one year. Yeah, he. I would say, I would expect two with the other two guys we'll talk about here. With yeah, Turcotte. I don't know if I'd expect one, but I'd certainly hope for it. Yeah, it's uh, that's 
trying to trying to get into these like yeah. one or two years college like without knowing like what their seasons look like. Of course, it's yeah. You could and, be Joel Farabee and and just have an insanely great year, and it changes the outlook very quickly. Yeah, I'm uh, Joel Farabee. What a great year he had. Too. Yeah, I know. And kind of out of note, like we were all anyway. I'm not going to get down that road. That's uh, Alex Turcott. Let's yeah. uh, let's let's wrap up Turcott. If he gets to if if Chicago takes somebody ahead of Turcott, the Avalanche should sprint to the stage and and lock this down. I I I don't feel like there's a good reason to take anybody ahead of Turcott. I think you could make a case for Byram. I but if- see. I wouldn't because all the things that you can say about Byram also apply to Turcott. It, right. It's totally. It totally fair. Turcott going ahead of Byram is probably what should happen, which is probably why he doesn't get by Chicago. But <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That dude's gonna have such a great career, and it's gonna make me mad the entire time that he's in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> another another longtime opponent in the Central Division. <sighs> We've already got to watch Haskin. Okay, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get upset about this again today. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up for a segment there with Turcott and uh, come back on the other side. We are going to get into one of the other guys we mentioned there, Trevor Zegras. We're gonna break down his game a little bit, and uh, for the final time, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, continue on. We'll break down Matt Boldy segment number three. We're talking America today, so not going to use adult language so we'll be right back this is the bsn avalanche podcast presented by total beverage before we jump into our next segment i want to tell you about this really awesome deal for bsn listeners you already know that total beverage has the most liquor in colorado at the best prices in colorado but now they're delivering to anywhere in the north metro area from wheat ridge to erie for a limited time total bev is offering ten dollars off a fifty dollar purchase on their website and app Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all of your holiday parties and have it delivered to your door. Download the Total Beverage app. Use promo code BSN10 for $10 off of that order. That's promo code BSN10 on the Total Beverage app for $10 off your next liquor delivery today. Welcome back in segment number two here of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Rudo, what's up, dude? <laughs> Not a whole lot. Oh, I actually had an icebreaker I thought of. Oh, shit. Hit me. Who is your all-time favorite NHL role player from any team, from any era? Uh, role player. Like, bottom sixer. Role player. Ian LaPerriere. Okay, that's a good one. I was also I was always uh, partial to Dan Hynote, but yeah, Avs fans always are. Yeah, definitely showing my colors there for sure. He's he's one of those guys. Yeah, and I hear Cody McLeod a lot for for more recent Abs fans as well. Yeah, Cody Cody could play a little bit in his prime. Yeah, when he was younger, he uh it, he always kind of gets. Uh, dumped on because of how it ended. Yeah, but he could play in his prime. He was he was a he was a solid fourth line guy for them. Yeah, he wasn't. I 
the thing that cemented him for me, and I, I don't remember if it was his first game or it was one of his first games the Avs played against Detroit, and he just YOLO'd through the neutral zone and picked off a pass and, and scored on him. And I think that was his first NHL goal. And that's a pretty good way to uh, to work your way into Abs fans' hearts. Scoring yeah. on Detroit. <laughs> oh, he was also the dude that threw the squid back. Yeah, exactly. So that was a uh, that was a great moment too. So Cody was a, Cody was a fun one. It was sad how it ended here. Yeah, I'm sure it didn't end the way anybody wanted. But I guess Laperriere was kind of the predecessor to him, wasn't he? Yeah, Lappy. Well, and Lappy could play. Yeah, he was a he was a legit hockey player too. So <laughs> he, I remember like looking at his junior numbers and being like, "What? These are silly." <laughs> yeah, like, are you kidding me with this guy? So uh, he was he was an interesting guy. Uh, it was scary how his career ended. But yeah, yeah. He was he was uh, always one of those perfect role players. Um, yeah, that that is how his also. career would end. Budai not really a role player, but yeah, but I, one of my favorites. I'd count it. I was never a big fan, but you can only pinball out so many rebounds off those pads before I lose my mind. But <laughs> oh, it's true. <laughs> it's true. But. We're here to uh, talk about someone else that drives me a little crazy, too, aren't we? Yeah, Trevor Zegras, sticking with our uh, Bald Eagles, our, our Bay theme today. Uh, staying on Team America here. The Trevor Zegras, one of the more polarizing prospects at the top of this draft class, has lots of love for him, but lots of red flags to consider as well. Yeah, it's... I, there's a reason he's in the top 10 and deserves to be in the top 10. And that's the fact that his, his skill ceiling is just outrageous. It, if you're drafting for ceiling alone, you could take him third overall and, and no one would bat an eye. I think there's a chance that happens. So there you go. It, if you look past the risks, he could absolutely be one of the most talented players in this draft class. But then you look at at the risks and some of the parts of his game where you know there's significant work to do, and it definitely should give you some pause. It You can't be the guy that makes the superhero play every single time you touch the puck, and he's going to have to learn that. Yeah, and... He's one of those guys where he plays with such confidence that it borders on arrogance. Yeah. And he he kind of has that swagger about him, which is great. To until he goes yeah. until he goes barreling one on four into the offensive zone and gets the puck taken away from him. Right. And then you're like, uh, well, that's that's fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how he shaped up because he did start doing some things as the season progressed he did show a bit more physicality he still likes to hang around on the perimeter way too much for me but he does show that he is capable of mixing it up if he needs to Uh, he's always 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 going to be a pass first player which is fine he's a great passer but if you want a goal scorer maybe look elsewhere 
Yeah, you don't think he's going to score goals? Score 40 I mean, of them this year. He'll be fine in the NHL. He he won't score nothing, but I I wonder if he even gets to 20. Really? Yeah. I don't share that concern. Yeah? I do not, no. I think he'll be a 20-goal guy. And if he does... That's perfectly fine. Like I'm not going to nitpick how he gets his points too much because he does have the talent to both score and pass. Yeah, I mean if you're if you're if he's going to be a, if he's going to fulfill his full potential and and be an 80 point guy, you know, point per game player. Yeah, 60 20. Uh, like how you get there. Yeah. Isn't really that important because those goals are getting scored. Right. Someone's putting them in. Right. If if that means that both of his line mates are 35 goal guys and he's a 15 goal guy, then fine. If his, if his entire line is 20 goal guys, including himself, then that's also fine. Like, okay. Um, right. It's it's not, you know, it's just how how you get there is, is whatever. But as long as the points are there, you know, it's it's fine. But I I think he's got enough of a shot that, that and he uses it. It's, he's not, he's, you know, he gets made out to be like such a classic playmaker, but it's not like he defers on open looks. No, he's not Kerfoot in that sense. Right, like, he doesn't have that Kerfoot Tange gene where he just wants to, oh, I gotta pass, I gotta pass, I gotta pass! <laughs> it's just that when he does, he can do it better than anybody. Right. It, his When he executes some of the plays that he tries and it works, it your jaw Oof. drops to the floor. It's just when he tries to execute them and there's no reason to and he turns it over, <laughs> they reel that jaw back in pretty quick. Yeah, it's well, and that's the one where you're. It's it's like the the opposite of a guy like oh oh no oh no oh no, and then it works, and you're like great job, great job. <laughs> With him, you're like all right, here we go, here we go. Oh god, oh oh god, <laughs> because it just it falls apart so quickly when he makes the big mistake, which he's prone to do. Yep. Instead of coming down on a two on one and just oh a little sauce pass across the ice and bickety bam. Uh, he'll he'll try and get crazy with it, and it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's. I've been in my head. I've been comparing him to John Stockton, kind of. In the sense that sometimes, uh, <laughs> uh? yeah, please do okay. tell. So, in the sense of Stockton was one of the the best point guards ever, right? And well, of his era and passing and yada yada. No need to go into it that much, but Stockton understood that sometimes you make the fancy behind the back pass to someone for a wide open shot, and other times you just give the ball to Carl Malone and let him work. Yeah, well, he he understood the Carl Malone part of that real nicely too. Yeah, right. But but he understood that you don't have to do it all all the time. You have other good players around you, especially for Zgrus on a team like the USNTDP. Mm-hmm just get the puck to the guy who's open. You don't have to drag three defenders to you first. Where do you see him ultimately ending up position wise? Uh, Center. I think, I I think it's easier for him to, to bring the best parts of his game at the center position with space Mm -hmm. to work with and, and to, with space that he can create in 
he's actually not bad on the boards. I don't mind him, especially when he plays angry. But I just don't see him being as versatile up the wings. Do you think putting him at center forces him to to reduce some of the nonsense that he tries to incorporate into his game? You would hope so. You would hope that he he does dial it back with a little bit more responsibility in the center of the ice. I don't think that is something that's going to come supernaturally to him, though. I think it's something he definitely is going to have to work on. Is he Sonny Milano? Uh, if he is, I wouldn't be talking about taking him anywhere near four. <laughs> but that's the fear. It is. That's that's the that's the risk. If you're afraid of this guy, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing he's not going to get anywhere near that ceiling. And if he doesn't make it close to his ceiling, what does he really have to fall back on? And and it's not that much. Yeah. If his skill if his skill level doesn't translate, he's got a problem. Right. I mean that's this the skills will get there. I agree. But it's it's to what degree can he can he play the same style? Can he be that electric playmaker and make it happen? I mean it's not impossible. We see we see fancy dipsy doodle dudes all over the NHL having great productive careers. They're also guys who are going to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so it seems like that's the conversation around Zgross. He going to be in the Hall of Fame or, or he going to be he bad going to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I might have a little bit more faith in him than that. Uh, if we're talking about Dipsy Doodle guys, someone like John Mitchell was able to car- carve a bit of a career out for himself, which I oh, man. I would fully expect Zgross to be better than John Mitchell. Oh man. <laughs> Just the idea that we're even t- bringing up John Mitchell in a in a segment talking about this guy is concerning yeah but this is uh why i personally wouldn't take him at four over a a doc or a turcot or a byram or a whoever it the risk there is just a little too much for me Yeah, it's 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 certainly significant, especially coming off a segment talking about Alex Turcott, where it's right. basically the polar opposite. <laughs> it two very very different approaches you have taking these two players. Rudo, are you burned out talking about Trevor Zegras? A little bit. Perfect. Little, he's just they've he's been the guy on everybody's mind running up to this draft. Is that because we're always afraid of worst case scenario? Probably. <laughs> I think if that's if he's worst case scenario, are the abs still doing pretty well? Yes, ab- absolutely. That's the thing is with Zgross, he gets it from both sides, right? Zgross could be the worst case scenario, but if he hits, he's the best case scenario, maybe. So when I wrote my underrated, overrated piece and put Zgross in both sides, I was that was perfectly a decision. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It depends on who you ask. I let me. I'll just put this here. I don't like to get too much into conversations with people that I uh, have uh, 
who I know from around the league. Yeah. Um, but let me tell you that the majority of the detractors uh, for Trevor Seagrass are people who are not in the league. Interesting. The I've heard more conversation about how that guy could be. There are people who are working for organizations in the top 10 who believe that he will be the steal of the top 10 and that we'll look back on him the way that we kind of look back at Mitch Marner in 2015. Although Mitch Marner at fourth was perfectly acceptable. (laughs) Yeah. And if we were to redo that would not, obviously can't go much higher than that. You certainly wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's the kind of, potential that people see with him is is sort of a Mitch Marner-esque ceiling of this could be a 90-point player who could absolutely be an electric scorer and and help drive a team to somewhere special. Absolutely. It's well-deserved. And if the Avs take him, we're we're certainly hoping that that's the, the thought in hindsight. I tell you, we talk about, oh, good, good fit, bad fit, good pick, bad pick. But yeah. if he's the guy come Friday night, we'll we'll have forever to second guess it. But at that point, it's time to hop on board and just hope that the kid pans out. Exactly. It's... And he will be, for better or worse, buddy, he will be a very fun player to keep yeah. an eye on over the next few years. <laughs> he will be great to follow maybe in catastrophic failure or maybe an incredible success, but it will be a blast. It's going to be a good time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to Friday night. Uh, and, and this is one of, there's about five guys in the first round that I am fascinated where they land. And Zgross is one of them. Yeah. It's, it's such a crazy crazy last bit for for him and a couple of the other usntdp guys where one day people are talking about taking him three and and the next day it's like oh maybe he might go nine or ten <laughs> you just have no idea i tell you what if anaheim gets this kid at nine yeah that's right that... vancouver gets him at 10 and they combine zgross with Pedersen. Yeah, that could be absolutely like, insane. Like the playmaking on that team, just <laughs> K. Yeah, it, it would just get silly, especially especially for a team that could provide other young talent around him, like the Avs potentially. That could help him a lot. Yeah, I'm. He's gonna be he's gonna be really really fun to watch, and it may not always be good. So <laughs> that's that's the dichotomy there that we face with Trevor Zegras. Uh, I wrote about it actually yesterday on bsndenver.com. You should uh, check it out if you have not already. It's a pretty interesting piece, just talking about exactly what we did in the segment. So let's jump out of here. And uh, come back on to into the third and final segment of the show and talk about Matt Boldy, kind of a kind of an overlooked guy, a guy that you and I disagree pretty strongly on. So it'll be interesting to to get into that next segment. Don't go anywhere. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. All right, gonna pay some bills now, and we're gonna start with some game changing coffee. 
Shavacraft is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so make sure that you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. And welcome in to the final segment of today's BSN Avalanche podcast, presented by Total Beverage. I guess this is our last regular show before uh, draft day, because tomorrow you and I will be doing a mock draft show. And then Friday is draft day itself, in which there will not be a podcast until after it's all done. Yeah, it's kind of the the final touches. We've we've gone in depth on on everything but the USNTDP, so we gotta finish that up. I'm gonna be so mad when we go through all of this, and I write all these profiles, and we do all these podcasts. And with the 16th pick, they take Niles Hoglander. <laughs> Someone we haven't even mentioned. <laughs> yeah, a guy that whose name will now have only been mentioned in this one specific context. <laughs> yeah, you just put that out into the world, so it's happening now. Yeah, it'll be it'll be like that, or it'll be like Samuel Poulin, or like Connor McMichael. Like, <laughs> one of these guys where we're just like, okay. All right, fine. <laughs> And it's weird, you know, all this time, we haven't talked about, we're, we're talking about USA kids right now. We've even talked about Cam York. Yep. And we won't, we, we've talked almost not at all about Cole Caulfield. Yeah. he Cole Caulfield's kind of the one that falls in between the Avs picks and, and we don't expect to happen, right? Let's, let's touch on him very, very briefly before we get to Matt Boldy. Uh, Caulfield ranked in Bob McKenzie's top 10. I think I could easily see him dropping out of that. If he's there, there at 16, do you just take him? Oh, uh, probably not. I am assuming if he's there, there's like some other forward that I'm going to want there. And I'm not Caulfield's biggest fan. Yes. He scores a billion goals, but I don't think he's a great <laughs> fit for the abs top six. So the ultimate Cy Young candidate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What was it, 72 goals and 28 assists yeah, this year? Yeah, 100 points. Though he scores like three goals for every assist he gets. <laughs> yeah, um, I, you, can't, you can't knock the fact that he rips pucks into the back of the net, but he's one of the guys I definitely wonder. He gets to play next to Jack Hughes. He gets to play next to Matt Boldy. He gets to play next to Alex Turcott. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much is he really driving the play there or how much is he just finishing things up? Yeah, there's a um, Jesse Montano and I did a scouting video. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the the Turcotte and Doc videos. The third one uh, should be coming out the same day as this podcast, actually. Um, and we did it on Matt Boldy. And one of the highlights in there is Boldy hitting Caulfield cross ice with a perfect pass. And all Caulfield has to do is just put it into the net. The goalie never, he's not able to get over side to side in time. And it's like when you watch a lot of the DP. There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of high end playmaking taking place where a lot of goals are getting scored. And it's just like, just tap it in. Yep. 
It's tap it in. And not a lot of like, oh, pure snipe, baby. That's filthy. But it's not also like I'm going to sit here and say the guy scored 72 open net goals. Right. No, he can shoot. I'm not detracting that at all away from him. But yeah, he can shoot. And I would say that's about it. Uh, Even a guy his size needs to be an elite skater. And I don't think he is. Yeah, it, he's his skating. I don't think is gonna hurt him, but no, I I think he's a fine skater. Yeah, he just needs to be elite, right? Exactly, because you're five foot seven, you itty bitty little guy. Yeah, when you uh, when you're skating towards Chara and you come up to his elbow, you got to be able to avoid that thing, <laughs> right? Because guess where that elbow's going? <laughs> like that's. You know, not to not to make light of brain injuries because that's not my intention, but that's the fear. Yeah, is that a guy five foot seven? You know, he's gonna he's gonna roll down the right side, and Nikita Zadorov is gonna close the gap, and he's gonna throw his hip into Cole Caulfield, and and there's a chance he just dies. Yeah, that. I think Zadorov is about three times wider than Caulfield, so that's yeah, a lot. It's... <laughs> Well, it's like a, it's like, it's like a bus hitting a motorcyclist. Right. Exactly. You know, it's, where you're like, oh God, this is going to be, I don't want to watch this. Right. I would rather watch Zadorov do what he did to Mark Shifley over and over and over. <laughs> Train wreck city for sure. Because that was hilarious. <laughs> the ultimate pet. Mark Shifley. <laughs> pet number one for Big Z. Uh, let's move away from Caulfield and to another guy here, a guy that I keep I keep calling a dark horse here, uh, Matt Boldy. Really interesting collection of skills here. Uh, six foot two, hundred and ninety pounds, plays wing, extremely intelligent player, high end sense, high Q, high IQ, uh, really really high skill level, works really hard. Not the greatest skater, though. No. Probably the worst skater of all the American kids in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. That I would Including say that's Spencer fair. Knight. Unless you count Alex Vlasic, but. You know, Vlasic's a good skater for his size. Sure, but he's also not going to go in the first round, so whatever. <laughs> oh my God, if Alex Vlasic goes in the first round. Some team just took their first round pick and said. We didn't need this. This first says it's a third. Yeah. <laughs> like when... <laughs> oh, you're killing me. <laughs> like when Boston took Trent Frederick a couple years ago. Yeah. And at the draft, they asked the GM about it. And Don Sweeney's like... I think it was Don Sweeney or Cam Neely. I don't remember which one of them. But they were like, oh, we think Trent Frederick will be a really good third-line center for us someday. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> on draft day, you already have lowered the expectations of your first round pick to that. Yikes town. Like, I think that's where Shane Bowers ends up, but I'm open to the possibility of more. <laughs> right? You at least dream a little. <laughs> right? Like, at least let him work his way into that role and not just be like, oh, that's who he is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I don't, I, that's not a bad segue because I... I wonder about that on Boldy a little bit. I oh my god! You think he's going to be a third line not, player? We're going to fight on the. That's segment. not. I don't think he'll be a third line player. This is going to be Mortal Kombat. But I have trouble dreaming on him. 
Why is that? I'm curious because you and I feel very differently. We about do. Him. We do. And I, I respect most of the parts of his game. I have questions about his offensive ceiling at the next level. Not, I think his floor will be very high, but I don't know. I can't even put him higher than Turcotte's ceiling. Okay. And why? I just don't see the offensive ability. I think he does have, have a quality shot and given his play style will be a goal scorer. He has a lot of passing ability that comes off playing off his teammates in the national development program. And I think he benefits a bit from that in in players getting open for him in a lot of space, especially in the USHL. And I I wonder if he'll be able to, to continue doing that when there's less time and space for him. Counterpoint. NHL players are good. They sure are. It's and, and that's totally fair. You can we've had this conversation before with guys like Kaliev and Line that have a knack yeah. for getting into those open spaces. Definitely. And he very well could be a, a type of player that complements those guys and can get them the puck. Coming with that is something that I know you believe in him in is a move to center starting in the NCAA next year. I think it's possible. I don't know that it, I don't know that it would work out, but I think it's possible because I think his defensive maturity is worth the look. Yeah, I I agree on his defensive maturity, but I wonder if you don't just make it a Landeskog situation where he plays <clears throat> F three in the defensive zone, and that would also be fine with me. Um, and for the record, I even though I think it's possible that he makes a move to center. In no way has my evaluation of him up in this uh, to this draft class in this draft class up to this point been of him as a potential center. It's purely what he's done as a wing. And I only mention the center thing because he was a center, got to the DP, and because they had Hughes, because they had Turcotte, because they had Zegras, because they had John freaking Beecher. They had all these guys all in the same age group. Somebody had to move over, and he did it. And I imagine that his skating played a role in that because all those other guys that I, I just mentioned are excellent skaters. Yeah, I have have no argument there. You, When you have a team as stacked as that, somebody's got to move around. And so that's why I think, I wonder, it's just me thinking aloud, hey, maybe he could make that transition. Maybe he gets to BC and they they never have the conversation. He never plays it. And I look like a moron two years from now when he's never played one second at center. I can live with that. I'm just, I just think that he has such a mature game and he's so good defensively already. He wins puck battles. He reads plays very, very well. He's very disruptive and he, he plays... He's not afraid to play with the body. Defensively, I think he could maybe make that transition. And if not, I've compared him to Marion Hossa a thousand times in this cycle because he was a really, really good two-way wing that Boldy reminds me of. And what I think is my big concern with Boldy offensively is that I don't know that he has an identity developed. What? Who is he? Yeah, that's... What does he lean on when it when it comes time to be successful? 
that's a fair argument, and that might be part of the reason why I see him him playing off of his teammates so much. He's just kind of a guy that fills in the holes, right? And, right. And he does that well. He he's able to play off of his teammates well and, and do what's required of him. But you don't go, okay, Boldy has the puck. You know, X Y Z is coming. It's it's going to be his stock could be all over the place. Yeah. And I've, I've consistently said that he is a guy that I've heard connected in the top five that continues to be true. I continue to hear that teams in the top five like and value him. I don't think he goes there. And the reason that I want to talk about him is because I think he has a decent chance to slip. Yeah. Um, and if he gets out of the top 10, I know that the abs are high enough on him that that might be something that they do. Uh, that, yeah. That's that's a guy that they could they – could, we've talked about Krebs being a guy that falls. Boldy could easily be a guy that gets to 11 or 12, and the abs say, we've got – he's too close. And, we've got to get this guy. And to be clear on my side – if he falls out of the top 10 and they move up for him, I am all for it. I don't love him at four. That's but... how I feel about Dylan Cousins. Like, yeah. and that's, and that's an important distinction that we should always keep in mind when we talk about these kids and like, Oh, I like this kid. I don't like that kid. When we're talking about these guys at four, it's as the fourth pick. Right. Exactly. But like a Matt Boldy at like a 12 or a 13, you're not worrying about his downsides. You're no. taking what is, and you're taking the, sh- the the shot that he is a very special player down the road. Exactly. It's at four. You you have to really get down down and dirty to find out every little nitpick and all of that. But when you get past that and closer to the sixteenth pick, it, there's just if a guy like Boldy, a guy like Cousins is still there at a certain point there's just too much value there. You have to go get them. Yeah, it's, and we say that, I mean, if Krebs is there, Boldy oh, is there. absolutely, yeah. Right. You know, if Caulfield is there, all sitting there at the 12th pick, holy smokes. Someone good's getting to 16. <laughs> right, you don't, you don't have to go anywhere. Exactly, but it's, then that's what makes this draft so interesting is there's so many guys floating in that second, second and a half, third tier that, there's a good chance one of them makes it to 16 and maybe it's Boldy. Maybe it's whoever that's exciting. Yeah. It's Boldy himself is, is an interesting prospect and he'd be a really, really good fit in Colorado. Uh, What he brings to the table is. Yeah, that'd be teams would not have a good time if you roll out Landeskog and then the next left winger is Boldy and it's just like oh god this is just going to be my life for this entire game right and i mean if they if he would be like a second and you have a Turcotte or a Zgross or a Doc yeah centering that guy <sighs> yeah it's he is the type of player that I'm, I'm very confident will be an NHLer as well. Yeah, I just the the reason I'm I'm not as in love with that at four is because I don't see quite the the same level as Turcotte or quite the consistency there. So I lean a little bit more towards the the dreaming on a guy like Doc or even a Zegris. A hundred percent fair, and even even me 
big, big, big Boldy fan, I also would take Z-Cross ahead of him at four. Yeah. So, you know, it's the upside is just too high. Right. And with I, Boldy, you're not, you know, I'm I'm like, oh, I see Marion Hosa in him. That doesn't mean I think he's going to have a Marion Hosa career where, you know, he scores 400 goals. Basically and, a Hall of Famer. <laughs> exactly. And like has a Hall of Fame career. That is not, it's a stylistic comparison, yeah. not, you know. He could he could be uh he could he could be Blake Como for all I know, which would be a bummer at four. Yeah, that would hurt. <laughs> that would be a bummer at twelve, sixteen, anywhere in the first round. Dude, that's not what you're hoping to get in the first. Yeah, I I agree Although with you there. Beats a bust, but not by much. Yeah. Any uh, any final thoughts on these three guys? I we did them in this order. I would have them ranked in this order. Same. Okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy how talented this this USNTDP team is. We're not going to see a yeah. team like this for a while. Maybe ever. Yeah, that that's definitely fair to say. And like, we're talking one team producing potentially six or seven first round guys. Right. It's on a team where <laughs> if Alex Turcotte and Jack Hughes just didn't exist. I think there would probably be more hype around Boldy. Yeah, I, I mean Boldy and uh, Zgross. If those if those guys didn't exist, Boldy and Zgross, uh, Caulfield, you might be talking about as top five picks in their own right. Right, exactly. They'd be the stars of that USNTDP team. So I definitely would be a two C. Yeah, there's definitely value to be had in, in the depths of this USNTDP team. I. Boldy's not really in the depths. That wouldn't be fair to say. But but as you go down the depth chart of, of that team, somebody's going to fall, and there are going to be some steals there. There also might be some landmines, but it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. It, it realistically, we're t- we, we're talking about a team that could see all six of its regular defensemen drafted. Yeah, legitimately, the entire team could get drafted. That's eligible. <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap this up because that's just silly and it's because it's true and it's just silly. So uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up uh, today's show right there. Uh, three great American players. They're all going to get drafted pretty highly. Um, it'd be pretty cool if Colorado could find a way to walk out with two of them. But if they walked out with one of them, it would be a real good Friday night no matter what. Yep. We'll call it a day there. We will be back tomorrow uh, for our final swing at a mock draft. There will be a written mock draft as well. And then it will be draft day. Rudo, it's almost time, buddy. So close. I can't wait. It's it's creeping along. I ran all my errands today getting ready to – Make the long trek up to Vancouver. It's going to be exciting. It's This is one of the most important summers in Avalanche history is uh, finally about to actually get going in for realsies this time. Yep. No fakes. We, uh, <laughs> no fakes indeed. We'll go ahead. Uh, we'll, we'll end it up there. End that up. And uh, now I've lost all ability to speak coherently. So this is the end of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will see you tomorrow. 
If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue.